Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy, along with my partner for the podcast, and in life, and my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. It's so great to be back at the kitchen table, Sean. And today we're joined by our daughter. She's a writer at The Federalist, and she's our firstborn. Her name is Evita, and she's here to discuss uh, this new study that has come out by Lancet about natural immunity being just as good, actually better than the vaccine, and also the latest on the royal drama as uh, South Park takes some pretty delicious shots at Harry and Megan and their reaction to it. And Evita has an article coming out, I think today in the Federalist about it. So well, let's start with um, the study of Vita, because I think that we didn't need a million dollar, God knows how many millions of dollars Lancet study to prove that natural immunity was better than the vaccine. That's always been the case in science, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's always been sort of common knowledge that you you get it, you don't get it again. That was like, you know, that's what it's like with the with the flu when the flu season comes around or with the chicken pox. But they they took this whole different direction where it was like if you don't have the vaccine, you're you're like, you know, you have the plague. And at U Chicago and at other schools around the country, the unvaccinated were extremely discriminated against, even if you had, you already had, had COVID and had natural immunity. So they would say, you know, twice a week, you have to go get tested. You can't come to class. We'll turn your ID off. We'll turn your Wi-Fi off if you're not getting tested. If you're an athlete and you're unvaccinated, you're living in a separate dorm room. I mean, they, it was, it was total discrimination. And now we know um, that it was completely unjustified. And it really just, I mean, to me, it, it just, you know, speaks to how much money was involved in this. They wanted everyone to get the vaccine, even though they knew that even though either either they knew that it was it didn't work or they weren't sure and they still put on this pressure campaign and and horribly discriminated against the unvaccinated. Well, it was it's common human knowledge that if you get infected with a disease, you get immunity from that disease. And um, COVID is a little bit different, but when you talk about discrimination, the the discriminator in chief was Joe Biden, who said, in essence, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. When uh-huh. so many of us out there were like, listen, we had COVID. And frankly, we feel like we're we're kind of bulletproof. We 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 feel like we have immunity, and everyone discounted that when our common sense said something completely different. And just as an American, it was incredibly frustrating. To your point, that people were being forced to get tested, um, wear masks, 
they would lose their jobs, they would get fired from the military. All kinds of repercussions came if you didn't fall in line with the regime um, to be vaccinated, which always, when that happens, always brings for me questions as to why are they doing that? What's so important with What's pushing us all it? to get vaccinated? I remember we were at an event, um, the the back, the COVID, I don't remember what exact period, but it's pretty early on in the in the COVID, um, you know, era. And Rand Paul was there and he and I had a conversation where he had had COVID. I had had COVID. Um, and we talked about natural immunity. And it, I mean, I'm here. I am having a conversation with the senator and a doctor. And it was like, of course. And he was a he was a pretty um, big advocate and speaking out when it was considered super taboo to talk about natural immunity. Here he is, by the way, questioning Anthony Fauci about natural immunity in a Senate hearing. Listen. Many Americans wonder why you steadfastly refused and worked with others to try to hide any kind of knowledge of natural immunity and how it would affect our decision making. So, for example, you know, you have a 10 year old kid and his mom comes up and all of a sudden he gets myocarditis from the vaccine and dies. Admittedly, a rare complication. But what are you going to tell her when she says, well, he had COVID three months ago. I mean, why would you force me to vaccinate my kid? Why would you force me to vaccinate my kid without even checking to see whether he's already immune? It's it's such a great point, Evita. And I'll tell you, lots of young men um, were at risk of myocarditis, not COVID. Um, the the rate of the 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 number of people who are under the age of you know twenty five who died of COVID was was virtually none. Um, you had to have had some sort of underlying, you know, health condition, maybe a cancer, maybe a diabetes. Um, but for the most part, if you were healthy and you were young, nothing was going to happen to you. And you were actually more at risk of getting, you know, some sort of heart issue through taking the vaccine than anything else. And again, uh, the the kind of punishment that young people went through that you described, it was you called it. I remember, Evita, you calling it like a vax apartheid on campus. It, it was a vax apartheid. Yeah. And it might mean it was, it, there was two things that happened with, with, with the with people who didn't want to get the vaccine. And then they did. I mean, one, there was this, there, there was, you know, this giant, there was this giant pressure campaign. Um, and people tried to tell you that if you didn't get the vaccine, you, you were putting yourself and others at risk. And even if you didn't believe that it was, it was just the social pressure around you that you are selfish. Yeah. You are, I mean, like the, all of these all these like blame, like these, these words they put at you, like you're selfish. You don't care about elderly people. You don't care about your neighbors or your friends. It's like, it was, it was so much pressure. And so many people took the vaccine that didn't want it. I know, I knew so many students and this is, I mean, the same with professionals, people in the military who just did it because they, they wanted to keep their jobs. They wanted to, you know, be allowed into the classroom. They didn't want people to call them mean and 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 uncaring. And so they just did it anyways. And many of them now have vaccine injuries. I know at least two men, one in college and one who's in the military, who did it because they just felt like they had to and now have mitocarditis and are not <sighs> doing what they love. So one one took it because he wanted to play football. Now he can't play football. One took it because he wanted to keep his job in the military. Now he's out of the military, has a has this vaccine injury. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's been disastrous for people. And I, it's so wrong what they did, especially to young people who were not at risk. You know, what's frustrating to me is that we're three years um, into yes. the pandemic, right? We, everyone's already been vaxxed. It's going to be vaxxed. And here they come out with a study that says, oh, by the way, you have natural immunity if you got COVID. And also, by the way, 
it's just as good or maybe even better than if you got the COVID shot plus a booster. And the evidence would show that it's more durable, meaning your immunity, your natural immunity is longer lasting than what you would get from the, the shot and the booster. And this reminds me of um, the, the 51 signers on the, on the Hunter Biden laptop that came out and said, this has classic signs of Russian disinformation. That story comes out to, to great effect. It helps Joe Biden. Donald Trump doesn't get elected. People didn't know about the story because it was censored. And two years later, they come out and go, oh, I think they got the story wrong. They misquoted us. So once all the damage is done, then they come out and say, oh, we got it wrong. Sorry about that. Or, or when, actually, they when the New York Times, wrong, when the Sean. New York Times, or they, where they said that, well, they, they said political. Go, oh, you, the you, 51 you said political. Didn't say that. That's what they're and saying. And the New York Times then comes out and says two years later, oh, no, I guess we can verify the the Hunter Biden laptop and which would then say that, well, maybe then Joe Biden is the big guy and was making money as the vice president. I, I'm, I'm sorry to make that connection, no, but this seems to be the theme of the left that they they use these this misinformation to the American people to great effect. And then once we all realize they were lying to us, then they come out and and admit or partially admit or acknowledge. Now you see uh, Randy Weinberg, uh, Wine, uh, Weinberg, Weingarten, Weingarten. Thank you, honey. Um, that's the, uh, the she's the uh, head of the teachers union who's now saying, I never said that we should lock down schools. I'm like, I want to I wanted to rip my hair out. I wanted to like burn my eyeballs. I'm like, are you kidding? You were the biggest advocate of shutting down schools. You said you wanted to protect teachers and any parents and kids who, you know, wanted to get back into the classroom. You vilified here. Uh, Abita, before before we get back to you, I want to show you Anthony Fauci now trying to wash his hands of his role in ignoring natural immunity. He should have known here. He's he's actually if you listen closely, he's trying to blame the CDC and um, and other people. And he's saying, I, I didn't actually say that natural immunity didn't work. Listen, I'm actually stunned by the amount of misinformation. The only thing I have ever done, and this will take 20 seconds. If you look at the things I've said, they've been to support the recommendations of the CDC, of their advisory committees and of the FDA. I've told people that it's important to get vaccinated, to get boosted, to wear a mask and to be prudent. That's the only thing I've said. I haven't dictated anything that's only a monolith with me. It's always public health practices. And anybody goes back over any record of me, they know that. I mean, that is, it's stunning. It's like the George Orwell's 1984, where every time, you know, things changed for the narrative and they want, they, it would be better for it to, people to think one thing rather than the other they'll go back and change history and they'll just like like delete lines and books and like and 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 change change pictures and images that's literally what we're living in this is a ministry of truth where they can say whatever they want and anything that they don't that it's inconvenient to them they just say oh it's misinformation it's disinformation um and the truth is that they're all liars um and what they what they've done i mean there was actually i think maybe this might think this is a little different than what you were mentioning mom but in the Atlantic, I think they had a piece saying, have mercy 
on the people who shut down schools. You know, we didn't, we didn't know. We were just trying to keep people safe. Yeah. I say no mercy, no mercy for them. They lied to us and they knew that they were lying the whole time. This was all about money. This was all about big pharma. And now people yeah. are suffering. And it's not just the the vaccine injuries that you can see. There are mental injuries for all the children who were, who were kept inside without any, any contact, it's, uh, like developmentally, children are stunted emotionally children are, are, are were deprived for, for two years academically I mean, like, academically stunted yeah I mean the, the the effects of the lockdowns that these people's that these people pushed and the vaccine which has been you know a, a, had a health impact on people has been stunning and they deserve no mercy he, if you notice Sean yeah, when he made that statement he also said he referenced the people who were on these boards, these advisory boards for the CDC. You know, they mentioned people like Dr. Gottlieb, Scott Gottlieb, who was working for Pfizer at the same time he's on these advisory boards. There was so much um, lack of transparency behind the motives and the, and the, um, the money, the money and the compromise relationships that so many people in public health have with the, with, with the far, with big pharma. And we, we weren't told about that. Some of us uncovered it when we did, we were gaslighted. Um, but all of this, I agree with Evita. people, it w- this will happen again, unless those people are held accountable. No mercy. Evita made a really important point. So she was talking about, you know, this there there was there was injuries that were seen, right? Whether it was myocarditis or other other things, but sure. also the unseen and the, the the emotional injury and trauma. I think the greatest injury that this um that this country suffered was its its blow to its democracy. Yes. Its blow to free speech. Yes. And I would have said as a as a product of the eighties that there would never be an American populace that would succumb to the pressure of its government forcing it to take a vaccine that many questioned that it wouldn't work or that they would shut down a dialogue from really smart world-renowned um doctors who are who are pushing back or asking questions i never thought that would happen the greatest blow was to freedom that took place um from this misinformation but also going just back to dr fauci it's interesting he's like well i basically i just i i i said people should get vaccinated they should get boosted that's right and you never said but if you have had COVID, you have natural immunity and you might want to pause. Or if you have little kids um, or just young people, they're less susceptible to harms of being infected from COVID. We've said this a number of times. Everyone in our family got COVID. You had it the worst, but none of the kids really had any symptoms. Now, that's not every child I know, but kids were 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 um, were pretty resilient. Yeah, to COVID. our kids didn't have any symptoms. Valentina Fauci... had no symptoms. Yeah, zero. No. Why didn't Doctor Fauci say? But if you have kids, you should really sit and think about whether you should get a vaccine or not, because the the consequence of if they get COVID may not be that great for them. Now, if you're older and you're sicker, that might be a different story for you. He didn't. He 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 was rigid. Everyone needs to get vaccinated. And the other thing here too is he tries to blame on the CDC, but he was the face of vaccination. Yes. And so everything that Dr. Fauci for decades, said, Sean, for decades yeah. he has been the face of vaccination. So everything he said, Twitter and Facebook and Google were taking as gospel. He's like, I had no power. I was just science, telling Sean. people. He, he is science. science. Really good he point. That himself, I am. When you criticize me, you criticize, you criticize science. science. And so he's trying to wash his hands. And I was like, I was just a guy out there kind of commenting about CDC, just like you. It's so bogus. (laughs) Oh, Um, it's so infuriating. And listen, I think that this this is a dark chapter in American history. And again, this was the the, where this uh, virus came from, our unwillingness to explore that because some people were so bought into China 
and then how we gave up our freedom in the process. We'll look back on this if free men still exist 25 years from now or 100 years from now and think this is a shameful chapter in American history. Sean, before the vaccine came out, um, when the big debate, if you remember, and 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 the and the and the constitutional suppression of people's rights and freedom to just breathe was all about the masks. You remember before the vax came out um, in our own town, there was a rally about, you know, no, you know, don't wear, you know, people were saying, I don't want to wear a mask. I, I, you know, now we know the science on masks, uh, you know, again, they, they and it didn't work. There was a doctor in our town who just happened to go. The, by the way, the rally was held outside. In the in the cold of Wisconsin, where I'm sure if there was a virus, it would freeze. (laughs) Um, And he was just in the back of this rally and someone took a picture of him. And he I mean, this uh, someone took a picture, posted some, you know, troll on on Facebook, took a picture, posted it on Facebook. He was reprimanded by the Aspirus Hospital in our town. Um, uh, Liberal trolls went and smeared feces around his door. Um, did they and, do that? Oh, my God. Yes, yeah. they did. Yes, they did. Um, they tortured the guy. But my point is, if you remember, Sean, that summer, I was pretty stand strong, Rachel. You know, he, it, it was hard. It was hard because a lot of doctors like him were seeing their careers in his case, his legacy, um, you know, uh, being attacked. And well, and he, not enough people. But they tried to do it. Was right. they, they made an example out of him. They wanted yeah, to make an example scared. out of him, both at the hospital and 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 the liberals who wanted to use this virus as a means of social control. And yep. I went on Varney that and, and Sean will, will remember this. And I told Stuart Varney on Fox Business, I said, here's my concern, because I'm already starting to see this. I am worried that we're going to come out of this looking more like China than America. And Sean, mm-hmm. what do you think has happened? Well, to that point, we look a lot more like China. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. There's this great Ben Franklin quote, the, cl- the classic, and I think it's the best, you know, to yeah. explain what we're going through, what, what we went through during COVID. It says, ben, ben Franklin said, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Amen and I don't that. I don't think we do deserve it. I think, and I think this just quickly, I know we're probably going to try to move to something else, but what the whole, I mean, the whole purpose of this, if we look at the rhetoric at the time was, was the great reset. I mean, they, they said it to us. I mean, explicitly they said, 
this is this is supposed to be this is a this is a test trial for so much better future social change that we can make. And now we're seeing that they've they've flipped from COVID. Now people are not as into COVID and they're pushing the environmental stuff on us. So those crazy yeah. staged environmental protests all across all across Europe trying to ban gas stoves. I mean all this is I mean this it was a it's a it's a test trial. It was a let's see how far we can push the American people before we put in the real social change. And we 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 didn't we didn't stay we didn't pass the test. We didn't I we agree. They took away our essential liberty and said, oh, it's for temporary safety. And we we went along with it. And now if we could do it for something as little as as COVID, which posed no risk to the majority of the population for most people. Yeah, right. If if we if we can give up that much liberty for for COVID, I can't even imagine what they're going to what they have in store for us. And 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 they that you're talking about, by the way, are the globalists, the the World Economic Forum. Sean, I have done shows on that. If, If you don't if you're listening and you don't understand what's behind the World Economic Forum, you need to go and listen to our podcasts about the WEF that we did um, with Rebel News. Um, that's a great way to understand it. We also had one. Evita, what's the name of that young uh, girl in in Europe? The, the really oh, pretty- Eva, but her name is like Eva and her last name is like super confusing and long. And I think she's like, about to get married and she's going to get a simple American name, but she is she's from, get married uh, to Will Witt. So I bet if you look up Will Witt, you'll be able to be able to find his yeah, fiance. She's, she's on our podcast. You can go back. She's a uh, gorgeous blonde philosopher um, and economist in Europe. And she explains what they're doing with um, at the WEF um, to, to do social control through farming. Um, so you see it's on all these different fronts. I'm glad you brought up the Great Reset. Justin Trudeau at the beginning of the pandemic um, is on tape um, saying this is our opportunity to, you know, fundamentally transform all of our systems of government um, and economics. And you, then, we, of course, we saw what he did with his his own truckers who tried to stand for health liberty. Yeah, you know, I just just a, 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 a point on COVID. Again, they sold us that we need the vaccine because it wasn't about us and our freedom. It was that I needed to get vaccinated so I wouldn't pass COVID on to somebody else and hurt them. Well, in the end, we know that the vaccine didn't stop me from getting COVID or from me spreading COVID to you. And so the whole premise of that crumbled. But I want to make another point, just, just about another point about parties. And I, I, I love conservatives because there's probably some conservatives listening to this that are adamantly in disagreement with us. And I, and I love a conversation about these things. But Donald Trump, um, who everyone, the left will say, oh, he's like this, 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 this leader that everyone follows and no one will he's push back leader. against cultures. Donald Trump is one of the greatest promoters of the vaccine because it was developed under him and everyone getting vaccinated. And a vast majority of his followers was, were the ones that said, hell no, I'm not getting the vaccine. I don't want the vac- I don't trust the vaccine. So the dear leader wasn't followed by his dear subjects. However, on the left, all the dear liberals followed dear Fauci right off the cliff with COVID. And that anal- that that analogy works for Congress. Again, it's kind of messy and people get frustrated with Republicans, but you have a lot of independent thinkers. Yeah, they, got, cool. they got frustrated during the, the speaker um, election, right? right. And it happens like, all oh, kinds it's of embarrassing, all kinds of legislation. They all think they have the best ideas and they want to debate and they want to, they, they don't get in line. And that can be a problem when you want to pass legislation where you need everyone to get in line, but they don't get in line. We're liberals. It's amazing the things that they've passed where they just got in line. Obamacare was a perfect example. People in 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 districts were were rebelling against Obamacare, and these Democrats were like, "Nope." The Nancy Pelosi and Barack Obama said we have to vote for it, so we will. And 
They lost their seats and Republicans won 63 seats that cycle. They didn't care. They all got in line. And I would rather live in a country where people think freely, are not afraid to push back against leadership and leaders and have a debate. That's a better country than the ones where you have the gods, the elites tell you something and you just fall in line. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm proud of conservatives who are, again, still free thinking men and women. Um, and hopefully that will um, continue and, and, and you know, not Sean, die in this great debate. Evita just said America failed the test. And in a lot of ways, I think she's right. You know what's ironic about what you just said and then what she just said is the Europeans actually incorporated the science of natural immunity into their policy better than we ever did. Um, it, it was amazing that there were massive. Now, we weren't getting the media feed of how massive the rebellion in Europe was against um, the vaccine against the WEF, against um, these, you know, the gaslighting on natural immunity. But actually in Europe, they had policies that said if you had the, I think initially they all fell in line. And then they, then you started to see um, rebellion and you saw leaders in their party responding to what the, the people wanted. And then natural immunity was um, incorporated and you could use that instead of taking the vaccine. And also, the kids were allowed to go back to school. Our kids were on lockdown more than uh, longer um, and more st uh, strictly than any other place. Um, even China was letting the kids go back to school. So, you know, a lot um, that was lost on that. Go ahead, Sean. Well, just an another point here I want to bring up is that um, now Joe Biden has said if there's another pandemic, who's going to be responsible in the, in the United States for responding to that pandemic? He's outs outsourced it to the to the WHO. Yes. The World Health Organization. People don't so realize he's done taking it. freedom away from our in, in, in sovereignty from the American people and said, no, 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 it's not going to be the Fauci's. It's not going to be CDC and NIH. It's going to be a global body. They'll be that'll be responsible to dictate how America responds to the next pandemic. This is what they want. This is one world government stuff. And to Evita's point, too, this is this was the test ground. They got very limited, limited pushback. And so they march on continue to take away liberty and freedom from us and and consolidate it in a in a world global body. And by the way, Donald Trump was defunding the WHO because they were so bad and so wrong. And Joe Biden comes in and goes, oh, no, we're going to outsource all of our policy to them. Yeah, he also took us out of the Paris Accord, which yeah, would have yeah. also tied us to all those globalist environmental policies. And then Joe Biden put us back in. So now let's move to another topic, because actually it's sort of related. Um, freedom of speech is something that we as Americans cherish. Um, there's still a lot of people, despite all the Chinification of America that we saw under COVID, still a lot of people who understand on a very fundamental, almost, you know, I don't know, it's in our bones, right? As Americans, it's in our blood um, that we believe in freedom of speech. And Meghan Markle, uh, an American who married Prince Harry in England, um, they moved to America. But as he's been here, Evita, Prince Harry hasn't been a fan of freedom of speech. He's actually made some very public criticisms of freedom of speech. And now we're seeing, you know, this couple being tested on their limits to take freedom of speech as they're being just mercilessly mocked by uh, South Park in what is a very, very funny episode that if you haven't seen, you probably should. Evita? Yeah, it was. It's hilarious. If you have HBO, you can watch it on HBO. But they they basically have this cartoon Harry and Meghan in in this South Park episode go on a 
worldwide privacy tour. So they have all these signs that say we want privacy and they're protesting all around the world. Stop looking at us. Yes. Stop looking at us. Ironically, though, drawing all this attention to themselves, which is exactly what the real Harry and Meghan have done um, with his new book, Spare, which South Park renamed wow like he's a crybaby i mean <laughs> the whole thing it was it was hilarious um and i think it's it's also interesting to think about other celebrities i mean they've gone after tom cruise and jessica, jessica parker and um xi jinping and nobody has had this deranged of a reaction than harry and megan the two of them have been just distraught over this really funny episode um which i think shows, says a lot about how fragile they are and so then they 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 floated around the idea that they were going to sue South Park, which is just ridiculous because comedy is legal in America. I don't know about Britain, but it's not it's legal here. And then they've, they've retracted that. But there's still reports saying that Megan is just super overwhelmed and upset by the whole thing. And I think it's really indicative of just what 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 uh, how Harry has behaved toward the first first amendment since he's gotten here. One of the first jobs that he took was at the Aspen Institute um, to fight misinformation with a commission on information disorder, whatever that means. Um, and he's also caused, caught, called the First Amendment bonkers and tried to get Joe Rogan fired from Spotify for COVID-19 misinformation. So it's yeah, very, I remember that people forget about that, huh? That that's true. They, they wanted to get Joe Rogan off of Spotify. They were unsuccessful in trying to rally people to, I mean, listen, a lot of liberals have been wanting to get rid of Joe Rogan for a long time, but these two were barely got their podcasts. You know, they just inked the deal for their own podcast had only probably done one right <laughs> at that time and wanted to get Joe Rogan fired. And, and of course, successfully got Piers Morgan fired. Um, because, you know, her feelings were hurt when he said he he didn't believe all the things she was saying about the royal family. Well, let, let's go. Let's play a, a piece of this clip, because the 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 the, uh, the analogy goes that this is a royal Canadian couple and they're appearing on Good Morning Canada. Let's play that from South Park. We just want to be normal people. All this attention is so hard. Isn't it true, sir, that your questionable wife has her own TV show and hangs out with celebrities and does fashion magazines? What are you suggesting? Well, I just think some people might say that your Instagram-loving wife actually doesn't want her privacy. How dare you, sir? My Instagram-loving wife has always wanted her privacy. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many great moments in this in this uh, in this uh, episode that I mean, you know, where they accuse um, uh, Harry. They go, Harry, you're mad at journalists. Remember, they, they just hate tabloids and their whole. Netflix series was, you know, an indictment on the tablets yeah. and the what, you know, what they what they said was you so you hate journalists. He's like, yep, but you wrote a whole book reporting on the royal family. Yep, so you're a journalist. <laughs> He's like <laughs> the same thing. Yeah, I, I, but I think what's what's interesting here is just the whole issue of comedy. Tucker Carlson uh, has just done a special about the death That's of right. comedy, and um, South Park is taking the liberty to mock anybody and everybody. They're 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 showing that they're not going to fall along you know political lines or woke lines versus non woke lines by going after Meghan and and Harry and um it the reason that the left uses comedy to to great effect is because comedy is really effective in taking people down and there's so much rich material on Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Mayor Pete Gavin Newsom the 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 the, the wokesters and the liberals won't touch it and good comedy means you bring in a lot of viewers and a lot of viewers means a lot of money. And these people in Hollywood who are the in air quotes comics, it's not about finances. It's not about bringing in more revenue, having good shows that people want to watch. It's about 
driving a political message. They care about care more about the politics of the day as opposed to the business side of getting viewers and and telling funny stories or making funny shows. They don't care about that anymore. Evita, dad brings up a really interesting point, which is I bet Megan and Harry thought that they would be under that protective shield of you don't go because, you, you know, the leftists, they don't ever go after Obama or Michelle Obama or, you know, Joe Biden. Um, they, they rarely touch um, certain political figures. And yet South Park, which these guys are liberals, let's be honest, has taken on Harry and Meghan. And it's it's brought new attention to them. I'm not a big South Park fan at all, uh, but. I, I watched this episode. I thought it was really funny and really well done. And I think maybe there's a, a bipartisan moment here for America where left and right kind of don't like Harry and Meghan and find them to be whiny, privileged jerks. Is this what we're experiencing right now? To an extent, I think there's still a lot of liberals who are who are walking on eggshells a little bit with them. I mean, they have a lot of celebrity friends. That's sort of their whole whole brand and part of why they're being semi-protected. But yeah, I mean, Don Lemon has, has come out and, and, and criticized them. South Park's criticized them. There's, there's been a, 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 a pretty decent handful of left-wing celebrities and commentators who have come after Harry and Meghan, or at least disagreed with them. And so I think that's, I, I think that more than a more than a symbol of of American unity, I think it's just a sign of how dislikable these people are. Just how how terrible the, this couple yeah, is. They and, are and the and So I I really yeah I I don't I don't know if it's a moment of unity, but I do. So I now do they're think saying, that, Evita. Now they're saying no, we weren't going to sue because they they saw the backlash from it. But clearly, they were floating out there that they were thinking about suing South Park. Where where does all that stand? Yeah, so I mean, they claim that they're not doing that, but I mean, it's it's so on point for 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 the two of them, and I think they probably knew that the that they would look even more ridiculous if they tried to sue, which was what the reaction was from the media, like laughing at them even more once once we heard that they were trying to sue, um, and so they backed off that. But we know that they're upset by it. I mean, that they're upset by everything. They try and cancel anybody that criticizes them remotely, and that's what I I say that this is part of why um, they've co-opted this disinformation term all the time. They love it because they can say anything that they don't like is disinformation against us. Now, it used to be more political, right? The term disinformation, misinformation was just whatever isn't going, isn't working for the left. But now they've said, okay, it's actually whatever's not working for the left and everything and anything that's mean about Meghan Markle is disinformation is what is what they've done. And they've made a whole career out of it. Yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting. One that it's like, how dare you criticize us? How dare you mock us? We're going to sue you. And you know, once the episode comes out, how do you, the, you South Park can't roll it back? And I agree with mom. I'm not a big fan of South Park. I'm happy they did this episode, but they've done some pretty disgusting things in the past. They have, but good for good for South Park for actually taking a leap and 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 mocking and criticizing what so many people already think about uh, Megan and Harry, but. Um, again, you can't roll that back now. So there's really no remedy. And the, the, I think Megan and Harry said, you know what? We want to try to sue. And if we can do that, we're going to shut down anyone else who may ever think about criticizing us again. And there's a lot of people who don't have as much power as an episode of South Park. I don't think of, of South Park as power brokers, but once the episode's out, I mean, it's out. But there's a lot of people who might voice their opinion. And if they get any traction, on criticizing Meghan and Harry, they will absolutely crush them. I mean, you, you brought up Pierce Morgan, wildly successful morning TV host in uh, in Great Britain. And I mean, he was the star of the show. 
and they basically took him out. They fired him. The ratings plummeted, but they didn't care. They're like, no, no, Megan and Harry are happy. And that'll show anyone else who wants to come out and criticize them. Effect. Don't you even think about it. If we can take down Pierce Morgan, we can take down you as well. And again, to, you're right. It's a chilling effect. Yeah, absolutely. So, if you know, what do you think happens now? So they leave England because they think, you know, they want to have this, you know, this new life. They want to make money, um, rebrand themselves as sort of quasi, you know, half celebrity, half royals. Um, there's still a lot of tension with their family back home. Um, but if if but the whole premise of it is that they were go- they were beloved here, that they were going to be part of this, you know, Hollywood celebrity culture. And now they're the object of a lot of ridicule. And some people even said that Michelle Obama has taken a, a few swipes at her. They asked her about Meghan Markle and and the and the uh, I think she was on Good Morning America, I think, or one of those shows. And they asked her about the Netflix series. And Michelle Obama famously said, you know, there's a hot light when you're in a position like Meghan Markle's or mine. And you never expect you're going to have that hot light. But really, you need to think about that. This is really about turning the light on others and and really making the focus about service. And a lot of people went, whoa, that is a swipe at Meghan Markle that, you know, because obviously Meghan Markle's narcissism, the fake really empty gesture she makes like you know there was the Uvalde thing and she showed up with cameras in Uvalde to lay flowers and then there's been a lot of questions as well about the Archibald you know charity fund which has done virtually nothing I think all they do is like zoom it's, into it's other kind of like the Clinton Foundation it's, it's a like- little bit like the Clinton <laughs> Foundation but almost weirder like they other people do stuff and then they zoom in and talk to them. I'm like confused by what they do. And if you look at the financial records, it's just a lot of empty stuff. And so, again, going back to my original point, you have, you know, the close relationship with the with the Obamas sort of now not looking so close. Celebrities maybe, you know, who are very fickle, wondering, hey, maybe they're not as hip and cool. You know, maybe we don't want to invite them to the next red carpet event. Um What's the future for Megan and Harry, Evita? Because where do they go if it doesn't work out for them in America? Canada? Right. I I, I think that they're really in an identity crisis right now. So I'm the, so nobody has anything. Nobody has anything bad to say about the Queen, and that's what uh, Michelle Obama famously said. She said, "I I have nothing bad to say about this woman. She's an amazing. She's amazing. She's given her life to her country." Um, which people also took as a swipe at Megan because th- this couple has done everything to bash the royal family and and the 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 institution that queen elizabeth has built for decades and yeah, so Peter, can i, I think, just stop you for a minute that that's yeah. such an important point you make that people say that it's said that Meghan markle miscalculated where the obamas would fall in her feud in Meghan and harry's feud with the royal family that the obamas actually had a good relationship with the queen, loved her and respected her service. And every, and I think Megan and Harry thought, well, because the Obamas were black, they were going to side with them on this, on the racism thing. And the Obamas well, really didn't. It was a real huge miscalculation. Well, Obama loved the queen so much. He actually gave her a CD of his finest speech. An iPod. Like, yeah, all iPod yes. <laughs> did he? I didn't know that. Nar- yeah, he did. It, so, so narcissistic no. himself, but they loved the queen and felt really honored to be there, which was surprising because Obama obviously, you know, has a lot of issues with the, you know, colonialism and, and so forth, had the 
bust of Winston Churchill removed. But when it came to the Queen, they did not come out and defend Harry and Meghan. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Since the 1970s, working class Americans and U.S. investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80% of its purchasing power. In contrast, investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over 5,000%. For Americans who invested $50,000 in gold when America left the gold standard in the 70s, their gold is worth more than $2.5 million today. While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. And I think that that's really what they're, they've become known for is, is bashing the queen who's beloved by, uh, mega beloved by people in Britain and even people in, in America like, like the Obamas. And so be, before they were this sort of young, hip, you know, cultural, cu- culturally relevant uh, young royal couple. And now all they're really known for is bashing the queen and bashing their family. Like that, that's not a, that's not a brand to stand on. We hate our family. Screw everyone. That's, I mean, that's really, that's really what the brand is yeah. right now. And I think people aren't, 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 aren't latching onto it. People don't click with that. You have to be, you have to be known for something other than just spite and hatred and, and for, for people to want to pay attention to you, to listen to you, to respect you. And, and they don't have any respect right now. And I think that people, even in, in, in the liberal class that they hope to be so, you know, welcomed into have, have sort of had enough of it and aren't, aren't really interested. So yeah, I think the problem they have right now is an identity crisis. But they're also selling access um, to the secrets of the crown and the family and, but once you expose that once or twice or ten times, it it there's nothing else there. You've you've done you've you you've you've done your one trick, and you have no other tricks in your bag to play. And so again, I think they just they age out and not very well. Which is why the royal family has kept them at arm's length because so they can get no new information. No new information. You 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 don't right. you don't feed the beast, and now all they can do is talk about stuff that happened that continues to age. Right things you know. Things that four happened years four or ago, five years, years ago, ago about right. the wedding and they spot, slighted so, me. So, Vita, do you I, think I, that Meg? Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, I read a New York Times article, which is so interesting because you know the New York Times is is, is left wing, written by a left wing author. Hopefully, that you know you think that she'd side with Meghan and and Harry. And what she said about their Netflix documentary was it was just so tired. Like we've heard all of this before, and now we just reheard it for six hours straight. Like it was just yeah. people are getting sick of it. It's boring. Yeah, I, I love how you said that their brand is just bashing their family. I think on left and right, um, especially in this really weird time period that we're living in right now, where we don't really have a lot of trust in government and institutions, and so many things are crumbling around us that we used to think were, you know, solid. Um, the one thing all of us have is our family. And I just, I agree with you. I don't think it's a brand uh, you know, bashing your family is something that anyone can get behind. Yeah, absolutely. Can I, can I, can I make a point as well? If, again, I, I'm stuck in another conversation about Harry and Megan, which I don't. I, as, I think you're starting to, to like podcast, them. Actually, I think you're starting to like these conversations. I don't actually like them. But here, here's for me the, the, the silver lining is, again, 
there's a glimmer of hope um, in comedy in America when South Park will mock them. I yeah, like that. It's good. But also, um, I find this topic rich in the sense that Harry and Meghan have professionally played the victim. And just because, you know, you might have money and fame doesn't mean you can't be a victim in your life. You can be and people can be mistreated and misjudged and that can happen. But that's like all they put out there. It is they're 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 victims all the time. And that really makes me angry because there are real victims. There are people who are less fortunate, people who are having a hard time gassing up their cars and buying food. And as energy uh, spikes for their home heating bills, they're having a hard time making their lives work. And for these rich arrogant little to come out and pretend like they're the victims and take money, right? Take money from the American people who actually are going through some suffering, who really might have some complaints about being a victim, but they're making money off, you know, projecting themselves as victims. I'm so sick of these liberal elites playing the victim card. Um, And if, if there could be one good thing that comes from the downfall of Meghan and Harry, should that ever come, it's that maybe playing the victim card isn't as powerful as it once was. And I wish that would stop. Listen, you've been blessed. Promote your blessings. Talk about your blessings. But don't be try of to make service. Them. Like Michelle Obama be says, service. be of service. Yes. Shine the light on other people. Um, Stop making everything are you about calling, you. Are you quoting Michelle Obama in a possible I know what's going you on. Really are Steve Sheehan. She's anti war. She's pro Michelle Obama. I, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. I know everyone's Fox says I'm the Cindy Sheehan of. Fox News because I'm I'm pro I want to promote peace and in, in, in Europe um, I want to end the the I want peace negotiations <laughs> for Ukraine and Russia. Sheehan is, but Cindy Sheehan was an anti-war yes. activist. It's interesting. I want to bring up the Michelle Obama component because I think it's interesting. It could be that Michelle Obama is looking at Michelle at at at, uh, at Megan and 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 noting what a little spoiled brat she is and looking at her almost like a daughter and saying you know this these are the lessons she needs to learn learn, but also. Maybe somewhere Michelle Obama knows that she's politically savvy. No, I think Michelle Obama. Well, it could be that she M- Michelle Obama is now. plotting her own yes. um, political future and is like, listen, I'm not going to side with these losers. They're going, you know, I'm not going to do that. There could be that. But also Meghan Markle is someone she's a smart, savvy girl, but she's also very not self-aware. I think she thinks she's smarter, better, greater than she actually is. And uh, there has been rumors that she has political aspirations herself. So maybe there's a, a little bit of a competitive thing, like like Meghan Markle wants to be the next Michelle Obama and Michelle Obama's going, girl, I'm going to leave you in my, you know, you're going to be the smoke in my trail here because I am going to be the next politician. I am going to run in 2024 and save the Democrat party from Kamala and Joe Biden and little Meghan Markle. Uh, you're like, um, not, you're not cutting it here. What do you think Evita? Yeah. I mean, that, 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 that definitely could be part of it. I think there's a, there's a difference between Megan and, and, and Michelle, for sure. And I think that probably that's why what, what Michelle Obama is picking up on and what the rest of America is picking up on. I mean, this woman does not have a thick skin. She and yeah. any little thing against her. She's just like, you know, has has a little panic attack, try to get someone fired or sue someone. I mean, she she can't be a politician if she can't um, if she can't you know, take a few hits, take an episode of, take an episode of, yeah, I mean, by the way, Michelle Obama plays the victim a lot too. Let's not, let's not pretend like she doesn't, but she's expanding out. So she's talking about, I don't know, Sean, if you've noticed the latest thing, she's been talking a lot about menopause and the impact of menopause on her life. What do you think she's doing that for? I'll tell you my theory. Well, she, uh, 
is relating with a lot of uh, women yes. who are suburban white women going into <laughs> menopause or are in menopause. And by the way, that is a huge voting block of the Democrat Party, Massive. especially in a primary. So, um, and by the way, that does not bode well for Don Lemon, who is making comments about women who are in their 50s, yeah. who probably could be or about to be in menopause. Doesn't play very well, Don. That was yeah. such a weird video. I can't, I can't believe he even said that. <laughs> I know. Right. You know what? I, I'm I'm kind of uh, with Tucker on John on Don Lamont Evita. I I That's love what did Tucker say? I think he's kind of zany and fun and um, says things that you don't expect. And I, I think I'm going to miss him because so many in CNN are in the in the in the box. Well, and... I was shocked that Tucker's like, I'm going to actually miss him when he's gone. He's actually there's tongue in cheek a little bit. But I miss Chris Cuomo. I, miss Chris, I, miss... I found him more interesting than these, you know, feminazi robots at CNN. I worked at CNN for a year. It was a hard year. And. Chris Cuomo was my favorite one on CNN, not because he wasn't a liberal who I disagreed with adamantly, but he was respectful enough to me to let me actually answer a question and we would have a debate. Um, and I had nothing but good things to say about Chris Cuomo when, as a, as a contributor at CNN and how he treated me were a lot of people, almost everybody did not treat me well. He was the one that had enough respect to actually have a debate and a conversation with me, which doesn't happen over there. They tried to destroy you. And Chris was, was kind enough and generous enough to actually engage in the debate and confident enough in his position that he could have a debate with me, which I, 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 I appreciate him. And I'll, I'll always be grateful for the way he treated me there. And by the way, he is interesting. He had interesting conversations and Don was Don is it, is he past tense now? Don was interesting. <laughs> I'm not sure the he's gone. Zaniest, most interesting host at CNN um, died by the liberal sword and maybe yeah. Megan and Harry will end up dying by the liberal sword as well. And maybe Sean, you're right. Maybe this, and I will, we'll, you know, this is a, a wonderful way to wrap up this Put conversation, which is such a great point you made that it's possible, it's possible that the downfall of Harry and Meghan may end up being or may end up being revealing that the whole, you know, that America is getting exhausted of the perpetual victimhood yeah. card. Do you think, Evita, let's let's get your final thoughts on this. Yeah, I, I think everybody's getting exhausted by it. I think it's it, it, just like you said, it's a, it's a testament to to how how unlikable Harry and Meghan are and also how sick we are um, of 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 all of the social justice um, victimhood. Yeah. Do you think she runs, Evita, Meghan Markle? No, I don't think she can. Honestly, I stranger things have happened, but I don't think she can come back from this. I think everybody on the left and right in America has agreed. This woman is a crybaby, and she, so you think, you think skin. South park is the dagger in the heart of the whole Megan and Harry. Oh, um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. If you can't, I mean, really, you, 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 can, you can come back from, from, from South park and laugh it off. I, I think Snooki did that very um, pretty shit. It was an awesome episode where they brutally made fun of her and people can, once you can laugh at yourself, you can walk away from something with your head held high they cannot laugh at themselves. And I think the American people are not interested in a candidate who who is is such a baby about everything. I don't I think Candace people laughed right. at herself with Chappelle. Remember that she did. Right. She just laughed it off. Listen, she, you, she have, you, have, you have to know yourself. And if you can't take an episode of South Park, but think you can run for politics, yes, it is a it, it is a brutal business. People are really mean to you. They say yeah. really mean things about you and you have to you have to you have to take it. And it opens up the whole gamut for criticism. And if she can't take this, in South Park, she will never be able to take um, a congressional or a Senate race. Not going to happen. I would agree oh, with honey, Anita. You're, she's you're, not. You're setting or, your height or, so low. She's, gonna run. She won, she, she's not going to run for Senate. She's going to run. She's going to run for president. Okay, president. Yeah. 
Okay, well, bring it on, Megan. Um, she's but a it's a great point. You're right. You developed over 10 years. It took and it, it didn't happen automatically. I thought you had oh. a thick skin because of the real world, but it wasn't thick enough, was it? Oh, no, initially? I was I was I was very sensitive to I mean, looking back, sensitive to a lot of things that were said about me. I would get all flustered and angry. And at the end, I'm like, I don't even care. So what do you, and you, you were like an armadillo. Haters are going to haters are going to haters are going to hate. Yeah, haters. I was going to say that I, I think that the running for running, having being a political child and having you run for office and like when I was 10, 9, 10, 11, and then all the other kids too, I think it was the best thing for us because we all grew up with the thick skin. People would bring pamphlets into school that were like making fun of my dad with his like, you know, as like a puppet and like all, you know, just like horrible brochures, people saying our, our parents aren't voting for your dad. I mean, like mean stuff. And we all just kind of, figured it out and took it and grew up that way. And I, I found that it's been really, really helpful for me in my life to just not take things so seriously. So I think it's a good, it was a good thing. It was a good experience. It's definitely, I think, you know, you survived being canceled um, at your own school at a really fragile, were you a, a, a sophomore or freshman, Evita? I, I was a sophomore. Yeah. I was a sophomore. A, and I remember it was hard, but dad and I have never been prouder of the way you, you took it the way you handled it. If you haven't, um, if, if you're listening and you don't know what we're talking about, just Google Evita Duffy and whiteboard uh, girl. Yeah. Uh, wh- white, whiteboard girl. The whiteboard girl. And you'll understand what the controversy was, but boy, Evita took a really painful campus wide cancellation experience and turned it into a positive by starting the Chicago thinker with her friend in response. Um, and also bringing professors and students out of the closet who, you know, those who did agree with her, but you know, were, you know, there's, there were some closeted conservatives out some, there, a few, a few. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. You're probably right. The experience of being a political uh, daughter um, and those 10 years that your dad served in Congress gave you the fortitude and the strength, the fight, the fight. And the fight to go. I'm not going to let these, you know, socialist, fascist liberals who take won't let me, me yeah, take me down. I'm j- I'm going to be who I am. And and you've been that person since. And we're proud of you. And I, I haven't I mean, I'm not going to say it was it was a it was a horrible, tough, tough life I had growing up. I think everybody has their own life experiences as they grow up and yeah. their own their own adversity growing up. And I think to use the negatives in your life as a, as a real positive and a learning lesson is a good thing. And I think to bring, to swing it back to Harry and Megan, Harry clearly hasn't done that. He had a very privileged life. He had some struggles growing up, obviously from all of his, his complaining and he has not used it in a positive way at all. All Great. he's done is complain and bash his family. And I think that's a sign of somebody who, who really doesn't have a lot of emotional development and and really was didn't didn't have a very strong character. I think this says a lot about you if you take the struggles that you have and turn them into something good. And he did not. Continue to make us proud of you. To not being a victim when you were the whiteboard girl, which, by the way, I remember when you, right. you, you came home and you're like, everybody knows who I am on campus and not for a good reason. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, really? They all, they all know who whiteboard girl is? So she's like, yes, they do know whiteboard girl. And then she wrote and, the op-ed, I am the whiteboard girl. Which, by the way, launched your career in writing. Which, by the way, it's so right. That, that yeah, I, I met my my, my future boss, read the article and offered me an internship at the Federalist, where I still work now. So and it was, it was really a really good thing. Fox News contributor Ben Dominich, who we didn't know that well either, but he saw your article and offered you an internship and it led you down this path. So um, we're proud of you. Um, and we love you. We do love you. 
Um, and thanks for not being a victim. And again, thanks for making me do another Harry and Meghan topic. If you want more about Harry and Meghan, Evita, when will your this article um, on the latest I, on Harry and Meghan no, come by, out by in the, the Federalist? By the, time, by the time anyone's listening to this, it will be posted. So, so check wait. out the Federalist, the latest from Evita Duffy. Um, you know, she does hard hitting stuff on in 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 the <clears throat> crime ridden streets of Chicago, um, uncovering corruption at the FBI and um, fun topics like Megan and Harry and, and, and hard hitting Megan and Harry topics with South Park. So, Evita, thank you for joining us. And if you like our podcast, again, thank you for tuning in. If you like our podcast, you can rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can also listen ad free with a Fox News podcast plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Until next week, Rachel. All right. Bye, everybody. See you around the kitchen table next week. Bye. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.